0: Hello, and welcome to In All of Us Command. I'm Kate.
1: And I'm Aaron,
0: And we will be learning about national anthems. Each week, we choose a new country at random, we learn a little bit about the country, and then we'll listen to their national anthem. After listening, we'll rate the anthem based on several criteria to see how they stack up in our humble opinion. We don't want you to think that because of the title, we're huge fans of O Canada. In fact, we plan to dunk on it pretty much constantly throughout the show, and we do not expect it to finish highly in the rankings at all. So this week, it's my turn, and we're talking about Guyana. So first, we're going to start with just a little bit of history and geography. So Guyana is not to be confused with French Guyana, which was my initial issue here. Um, French Guyana is nearby, but it's a different country. Uh, Guyana is located in coastal South America, with Venezuela to the west. Sorry if I get this wrong. Suriname to the east and Brazil to the south. Um, it's the only South American country with English as its first language. And the name Guyana comes from the indigenous word Guyana, meaning land of water. And you notice that there's a lot of water along the coast and also a lot of rivers and
1: which, sort of water which cutting Which it on? Um,
0: so it's right at like the, the, s- the northern part of South America. Okay. Um, right with like sandwiched between Venezuela and Suriname, Name with Brazil right. okay. on the bottom. Okay. Um, it shares a number of borders. There and also like a good chunk of coast as well. Yeah. Um, So speaking of the coast, uh, much of the population lives on the coastal area uh, with Georgetown being the main urban center. Um, There are also several indigenous groups, uh, which I believe we'll get into a little bit more detail later.
1: Is Georgetown the capital? Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. Um, There's a couple of other cities, but Georgetown is really the main one and certainly the biggest tourist destination. Sure. um, If that's why why you're headed there. Um, But a lot of the country is just dense, untouched rainforest. Um, It's really sort of preserved in a way that a lot of um, other places in the world are not. It's kind of an interesting fun fact. Uh, It's pretty rich in natural resources, including sugarcane, gold, uh, something called bauxite that I'd never heard of. But it's a source of aluminium and gallium, apparently one of the biggest in the world. And recently, um, oil has been a big discovery there as well. Um, And actually, this is like one of those kind of mixed things. But um, the economy is sorry,
1: I said, as it often
0: is. Yes. um, The economy in Guyana was pretty unstable for a good chunk there. And the discovery of oil deposits in the area really boosted the economy, which is good. But as I say, also.
1: Oil attracts a lot of vultures. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, Oil can be, you know, it can be bad too. Um, so we're going to get into some history, and so there were, as I mentioned, a number of pre-contact indigenous populations, uh, which who were mostly an agri- agri- excuse me, agricultural people, but also hunters, okay. um, w- coming with the territory of, you know, that all that beautiful rainforest. There's a lot of animals and a lot of. Birds and bugs and all kinds of stuff to be getting on with. Um, Christopher Columbus, our old friend, <laughs> who unfortunately comes up very early in this. I really struggled to find a lot of information about pre contact um, Guyana, so this is unfortunately kind of where the story starts. All right. Um, our friend Christopher Columbus cites Guyana in 1498. But it's not really, like, settled in giant air quotes um, until the Dutch build trading posts more around 1580. Okay. And then mid-1600s, uh, the Dutch start importing African slaves to work on sugarcane plantations. So unfortunately, the history here right off the bat is a pretty dirty colonial yeah, one. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't get better from here. So between... 1792 and 1815, the country sort of rapidly changes hands between the English and the French. Um, There's a lot of contested territory. It gets bounced back and forth a whole bunch. Uh, The French establish the city of Longchamp, um, which is later called Georgetown and is also called, sorry again if I get this wrong, Straldoek by the Dutch. Okay, So it's the same city under three names um, as these nations kind of war for who's going to get possession of this place that wasn't even theirs to begin with. Um, but by 1798, the British have mostly asserted their dominance. They buy some land, they unite the country, and in 1831, they call it British Guyana. Because, of course, they do. Yeah. Um, in 1807, slavery is abolished, uh, with full emancipation achieved about 30 years later, okay. which sounds fantastic. This is I got to this part in the history, and I was like, that's awesome, I'm so happy that happened for them. <laughs> But then the British, uh, devoid of people to work on their plantations, just import indentured servants, primarily from India, but also from China and Portugal.
1: Like, what, what's happening during all this time with the native Guyanese people?
0: So, as far as I can tell, as far as my research led me, they mostly move inland, so you find the sort of... So yeah.
1: the, the indigenous Guyanese people basically just leave Guyana.
0: More or less. Well, okay. they, they leave the coast.
1: Right. They were
0: divided anyways between the coast and the center. Okay. Um, As my understanding, and I'm sure this is not the whole story, but as my understanding is they mostly move just like inland into the jungle. Okay. Which is basically where they still are for the most part. Right. Yeah. Um...
1: Like still are to yeah. this day or yeah. still are at this point in the story. Oh,
0: no, still to this day. Cool. Again, mostly. Yeah. Um, so this bringing in of the indentured servants from India and other places really sets up the ethnic tensions that continue to have ramifications sure. to this day. It's something that really affected Guyana and continues to affect them. There's a big ethnic divide there as the population is primarily either South Asian or African. um, And there's a lot of tension between those two groups. Um, It starts now and it continues. Um, So gold is also discovered in 1879, which as with oil brings a lot of vultures. Sure. Um, This causes a lot of tensions with neighboring Venezuela um, and in which like the U S kind of get mixed up as they side with Venezuela, there are a lot of border disputes. Is I under- there also yeah.
1: gold in Venezuela?
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. There's, it's just about where you're going to draw that line. Right, um, right. which gold is yours and which gold is mine. Right, that kind makes of sense. a thing. And then the,
1: especially the deeper you get underground, the sketchier that becomes. Yes. And then yeah. also as
0: you get out into the water too, it's a whole other right. thing about like where do you draw the border? In the ocean, for example. So that's a whole complicated mess as well. Um, The Dutch originally did establish kind of a complicated political system. Um, The British had to streamline it in 1953 with a new constitution. Um, At this point, the People's Progressive Party is the first elected government in Guyana. Um, But this feels a little bit too communist for the British, who then suspend the constitution in 1953 and just don't restore it until 1957.
1: Who is that party made up of?
0: So the People's Progressive Party let me just double check this. I believe is primarily um people of African descent. Okay. Backing it. There is another political party the name of which is escaping me, um, that is primarily South Asian. Okay. And we're going to get into this a little bit, but um, the elections even now are essentially rigged based on the the larger population just wins um, every time. this also wrapped up with a lot of... um, uh, Sorry, this wrapped up with a lot of fraudulent and allegedly fraudulent elections, which is kind of a whole like thing on top of this thing that already exists. Yeah. Um, so you don't even really know what's true and what isn't. And it's, it's not great. Um, it continues to be very turbulent. Right. Um, so with politics kind of divided as they are still, Guyana gets their independence in 1966 mm-hmm. uh, where they, fully sort of ditch the British. Um, And this is really where the story of the national anthem starts. Um, I'm going to save that for later though. Okay. Um, The population is, and this gets mentioned in the anthem as well, in the actual, in the lyrics, which I think is really interesting. Um, It's comprised of six main ethnic groups, Um, the indigenous people, which include, I'm going to list them here, the Arawaks, YY, Caribs, Akawayo, um, Aracuna, Patamona, Wapixana, Waxushi, and Wararo. Again, my apologies if I messed any of those up, but I really thought they all needed to be named. Other main ethnic groups include East Indian, African, Portuguese, European, and Chinese. Also, of course, including those of mixed heritage, uh, which I believe make up a decent chunk of the population as well. Um, With this, you get a number of languages. As we mentioned, English is sort of the main first language Mm -hmm. that most people speak. But there's also uh, Creole Patois, Hindi, and Urdu. Especially, I read Hindi and Urdu um, in sort of the older generation of South Asian peoples. Okay. I have now some fun facts.
1: Yes, lay them on me.
0: Of which there are a few like fun facts that one would expect, and then like a whole story that I didn't know about that I think you know about, but I'm looping into the fun facts anyways, for those who are listening and may not know. So the food in Guyana is very diverse. Uh, It kind of comes with the people and the territory. It's a mix of South Asian and South American and Chinese and Caribbean, and you kind of get a little bit of everything. Um, It's very spicy. I read on one travel website that if you're, if you're going to go to Guyana and you're going to eat there, just brace yourself because It's going to be some spicy peppers in that food. And they like to serve it with cold beer to kind of cut the spice a little bit. Um, It is generally agreed that the national dish is pepper pot. Um, I struggled to find like an official this is the dish. I had the
1: same experience in researching Samoa.
0: Yeah. And I was actually glad you'd had that experience. It kind of paved the way for me to not be 100% sure. Um. And we
1: we looked into making pepper pot as our dish of the week, but ultimately it was going to be pretty difficult and expensive to source all the ingredients around here. So instead, uh, we looked up a as as authentically Guyanese as we could find of a recipe for just chicken with beans and rice. And we are going to have that with uh, while we listen to the anthem.
0: Yeah, which is also a very popular dish, um, sometimes called just a rice cook up.
1: That's the word. Thank
0: you. Yeah, where they just you just put whatever you have in with the rice and the meat and you eat it and enjoy it. Pepper pot is usually a meat stew. Um, The recipes I looked at usually contained beef and or goat and or Uh, pig's trotter and or oxtail again kind of whatever you've got kicking Um, along with the main sort of most important ingredient um, which is cassareep. it's a sauce made from cassava root it gives it this like really rich red color Um, what I love about this is that pepper pot is an indigenous dish and I I think that's just really interesting and certainly coming from Canada is a place with a you know important indigenous population but you know, our national dish, I'm pretty sure, is poutine. Um,
1: Which I'm so, that's like <laughs> going to be the best part of the Canada episode. I'm so
0: excited. I love poutine. Everybody here loves poutine, pretty much. Um, but I, I love that Guyana sort of brought their indigenous food into their, I mean, I don't really want to call it an immigrant population because most of them were forced sure. to move there. But for lack of a better word, immigrant population. Sure. Um, There's also in Guyana a national love of cricket. Uh, It's a big deal. I was reading, though, that they don't compete internationally, just sort of with other surrounding countries and in the Caribbean. Um, My understanding is that although that Guyana is a part of South America, the culture there is very Caribbean um, and sort of more reaches into the Caribbean tradition, I think, a little bit more than some of the other South American traditions that we might see. Yeah. Um, Their national anthem, anthem, excuse me, animal is the jaguar. Um, of which there are Jaguars in Guyana. Um, And as featured on the coat of arms, I believe also the cricket team is called the Jaguars. I think that was just kind of in passing though. Cool. Also, the first railway in South America was in Guyana, um, built in 1948. It was only functional until 1970. And now (laughs) we're going to talk about the really juicy stuff, which is the Jonestown Massacre of 1978. Aaron, are you familiar with the Jonestown Massacre?
1: I am familiar with the Jonestown Massacre. And to be honest, I was a little shocked to learn that you had never heard of it before doing your research for this episode. I'd
0: never heard of the Jonestown Massacre. So as you can imagine, I started reading about this and fell down a bit of a hole because how could you not?
1: How could you not?
0: Um, Especially so quickly on the tales of us watching The Vow, for example, where we got into Nexium like way deeper than I ever thought I was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Similar kind of a journey. It, uh, a little everybody's <laughs> a little
1: bit fascinated by cults, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's something kind of deep and dark and so interesting. I think because everybody sits around and asks themselves, because it looks it looks so obvious when you get something like the Jonestown Massacre, where it's like a, bu- a guy told a bunch of people to drink poison Kool-Aid, basically. Yeah. And they all did. And you see that and you're like, no, you don't just... Drink poison Kool Aid because someone told you to. Be-
1: do you want to? Before you get into all this, yeah. do you want to walk us through a bit of the history yeah, of do. the Jonestown I massacre for sorry. any listeners that might also not be familiar?
0: Yes, I'm getting I'm getting off track a little bit here. We will back this up. Uh, so, the People's Temple is an organization slash cult mostly a cult
1: <laughs> very generous of you
0: it was a cult um, started by this guy jim jones who was a white minister um they were san francisco based and he preached for the most part socialist views to a primarily african-american audience which already i don't know it's not it's not bad it's a little strange And I can't help reading like a weird power dynamic into this where there's like a white guy telling a bunch of people of color what to do. But anyway, that's just my reading. Um, And the organization was pretty popular. I think it attracted mostly people who just like wanted to do a good thing. They felt like they were contributing to society and, you know, the sort of greater good. And then things started to get a little sketchy. So Jones packed everyone up and moved them to a compound in Guyana. I've seen their aerial photos of this. It was pretty big. Um, Kind of a large reaching farm kind of a deal.
1: Yeah, see, I don't think the problem lies so much in Jones being a white dude talking about socialism to people who aren't white. I mean, that can be done. The problem is ultimately that he wanted to found this compound and do what he did there. Absolutely. In my mind. It,
0: no, for sure. And
1: socialism it, was a cover for that.
0: Yes, and it, I mean, obviously would have been terrible no matter what ethnicity the people or the victims are. It just, I don't know, it reads kind of awkward to me. But maybe I'm putting too much into it. Um,
1: I mean, its it's a horrible, tragic event. You can... Yeah. ascribe horrible tragic motivations to it. That's
0: true. That's true. Um so then to investigate this, uh a congressman named Leo Ryan, as well as a few others, I believe some journalists flew to Guyana to sort of check out the compound and see all what was going on because they had just picked up and left so abruptly, especially when things were getting kind of weird. And he was shot on the airstrip, he and some others. Yeah. Um and it's, if you listen, I was reading the transcript, um, that creepy, creepy transcript. Yeah. Um, because Jones felt he wanted to record himself, I guess. The recording,
1: I've, I've heard bits of the recording and it's very eerie as well.
0: It's, even just reading it was, oh, just gross, just gross. Anyway, um, and he says... He kind of denies that he, not that he knew about it, but that he didn't tell anybody to shoot him and he didn't know who it was and it was, I mean, obviously he knew, obviously it was him.
1: You always got to pass the buck.
0: But anyway, passing the buck. Um, So because this murder had happened and they figured the authorities were going to come get them and he used this sort of as ammunition to get 900 people to drink not kool-aid flavor aid yeah. not even the good stuff laced with cyanide and 900 odd people did and they all died and the photographs are horrific and this happened in guyana
1: it was uh it's one of the greatest losses of civilian life in history
0: correct? pre-9-11 yeah yeah uh which is just colossal if you think about the amount of human life and it was like kids and stuff too it was yeah oh it, it was no good it was no good it was absolutely devastating especially because I didn't know anything about this and then I I learned about it kind of all at once so that wraps up my fun facts
1: all right those were <laughs> some very fun facts weren't they us. just
0: weren't they cults and jaguars and pepper pot oh my <laughs>
1: All right, well, let's take a break then and take a listen to our anthem. Do you mind telling us what this one's called?
0: Yes, this one is called Dear Land of Guyana, of Rivers and Plains.
1: All right, well, let's take a listen. By the sunshine and blush, by the rays, say a chest. Gem-
0: Start with just a little bit of background on the national anthem and how it came to be, um, it's written by Archibald Leonard Luker with music by Robert Cyril Gladstone Potter. Both amazing names, I have to say.
1: They are pretty great names.
0: Um, so, both. The lyrics and the music were put to a competition in 1966 when Guyana got its independence. Okay. Um, So there was two separate competitions, I think, first for the lyrics and then for the music. Um, So both these people won those competitions sort of independently of each other. I could only find one source that said this. It's a little... I'm a little unsure.
1: Right. Okay. Just that's <laughs> so confusing to me. Did they run side by side? They, they'd have had to do one first. I
0: think they ran the lyrics, chose a winner, and then ran the music competition okay. and chose a winner. Okay. I think. Again, couldn't find a ton of information about sure. how this came to be. Um, that's really all I have for like the history and the context of how the anthem
1: Okay. Came to the
0: world. I can talk a little bit about the the themes that I see and the.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, let's just get right into our discussion of the anthem then.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to kick us off or would you like me to say some things? Um,
1: well, I just my reaction to having heard it just now for the first time Mm -hmm. is really I have probably about as many good things to say about it as I did about the Samoan Anthem. Yeah. But I don't feel quite as enthusiastic about it.
0: Okay, that's fair. I think the thing that I find cool about this national anthem yeah. is the way that if you just listen to it and you tuned out the words, it's it's just, it's a national anthem. It sounds like an anthem. It feels like an anthem. It's an anthem. I like, though, the way that the lyrics... Like, nowhere, Guyana has been as a country. It's been rough. Yeah. And they're not pretending otherwise. They're saying, you know, it, it's been a little bit of rough going here, but we are going to move past this and we are going to grow as a country and embrace our independence. And I think that really means, like, it does something for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought it was interesting the way they decided to acknowledge some of the hardships that the country is being through in, in the lyrics. And I thought they did a good job of like not sugarcoating it, but looking at it in with an eye towards a positive future. And I think something about the, the aspirational nature of these lyrics is what really makes them work for me. That last stanza, um, or that last two lines in particular where they're saying, make us to be more worthy our heritage. Yes. I think that's a really phenomenal sentiment to have as, you know, the thesis statement of of your national anthem.
0: I agree. I think it's also really nice how much it acknowledges the sort of natural surroundings. Like it is this country that is so sort of lush and, you know, full of rainforest and biodiversity and, The way that they talk about, you know, the amount of land and what the land sort of means to them, how big a part that is in the anthem, I think is really interesting as well. It echoes a little bit the like the Canadian true north, strong and free.
1: Absolutely. Kind of a feeling. And that's something that frustrated me growing (laughs) up, uh, that everyone in writing about Canada would always brag about like, oh, we've got all these rivers and lakes and trees. And <laughs> now doesn't, everyone have rivers and lakes and trees, <laughs> yeah. but really the truth is they don't in the way that we do. It's here. true. We're, we're pretty lucky to have that. Well,
0: here it's what, like 1.2 people per square kilometer up here. Something
1: like, like it's,
0: it's a lot of water and a lot of trees. And I think similarly, this anthem acknowledges the, the amount of, natural resources and the amount yeah. of just jungle that there is and I I don't come from a jungle place I've never really even been to the jungle yeah um, me neither. I think that would be pretty like I've been to Florida but that's not jungle that's not jungle that's, not jungle. that's beach um tourist The rough and tumble beach. jungles of Orlando <laughs> yeah no it's just hot it's not jungle um and into I think the
1: concrete jungle, yeah. what dreams are made of, <laughs> yeah, or. Exactly.
0: and I feel that's not something you can really understand unless you've been like in yeah. the same way that I read you know Canadian books about like the Ontario North. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. I've been to the Ontario North. It's freaking cold up there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think there's an understanding here of you know what the the environment brings to you as a people and as a country.
1: Yeah. So I think I'm actually going to score this one pretty highly on the lyrics, and I I appreciate. Being able to approach that score confidently, uh, knowing that it's a natively English
0: translation. Nice that we're not working. Yeah, we're going to have to
1: think about how to account for that in future non English anthems.
0: I think all we can do is acknowledge it. But I am going to
1: probably score this one uh, an eight on the lyrics. Okay.
0: I'm going to give it a nine on the lyrics. Okay. I feel pretty passionately about this. Sure. Um, how do you feel about the music? We listened to a few different versions.
1: The music, I think, is definitely this anthem's weakest point. I would agree with and you. And where it's going to lose points as well on the X Factor for me. Mm-hmm. Just the the melody falls a little flat for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels, considering that if we were right, if they had the lyrics and then had a competition to set the melody to them, Surely there's a more graceful way to set these lyrics to music. Like there, there's a couple times where they feel a little shoehorned in.
0: Yeah, I I would agree with you
1: um, on that. So where where it comes to the music, I I think that's the biggest hole. And I mean the first version we listened to, that sort of poppy one mm-hmm. where they're all doing their best, Mariah Carey on mm-hmm. on every note. Mm-hmm. It, uh, I don't think I even realized how repetitive the melody was. It's by quite the end repetitive. It. it was so hard <laughs> to follow. But I think
0: actually in that version they try to cover for it a little bit by overlapping. The last word of the verse and the first word of the next verse to kind of like move it along a little bit almost, Uh, which is really too bad because the lyrics are great.
1: Yeah. And it really didn't help the arrangement either. Made it feel very claustrophobic. I agree. That was easily the worst of the three versions. I
0: actually quite like the other two.
1: I I did Um, too. Um I liked what they did with it, at least. Again, I thought our sort of live event performance was easily the best of the three.
0: I agree. I do, though, like seeing the community kind of getting involved. That's true. Um, That was a nice aspect of the, uh, was it the Georgetown Chamber Chorus? I believe.
1: Yeah. Um, But music, uh, two and a half.
0: Okay. Okay, you're going harsh on the music. I mean,
1: the the (laughs) melody of this, if I were to just hum it to you, to me sounds not dissimilar to oh canada which for me (laughs) is is like the bellwether (laughs) for a bad anthem rock
0: bottom of anthems everyone (laughs) (laughs) oh canada yeah um okay for music i'm not feeling quite so harshly as you but then i may be a little biased because i've been steeped in this stuff for the past few days doing the research and I, i feel i've got a little bit of i don't know maybe a little soft spot um guyana seems like a pretty interesting place with some cool history and an interesting people there um, i'm gonna give
1: i don't mean to give this score as a oh, criticism of the guyanese culture not i at think all. it seems a lot more interesting than this milk toast melody i'm just
0: saying i'm biased yeah by the culture <laughs> towards the music it's a complicated many layered situation <laughs> i was not trying to say that you were ditching on the culture By scoring the music low. However, okay, I'm going to give the music a four. Okay. A background story is our next category.
1: Yeah, I mean, I already let slip that I think a contest is, I don't know, a pretty base level of interesting. It's not... It's not not interesting, but I feel a historical song plucked out of this, the country's traditions. There's that somewhere in the world and there's that probably somewhere even in Guyana. Mm -hmm. But I don't know this. um, I do think it's interesting they did the contest in separate Parts.
0: It is interesting. Maybe not to their benefit all the time.
1: Maybe not. Maybe not. That's not interesting, what anyways. We're no, that is true. Necessarily. That is they true. already lost points for that in music. We don't need to double <laughs> it's them true. for it here. It's true. I'm going to go with a, just an even five on this one.
0: Okay. Okay. I am going to agree with you on yeah. that. I'm also going to go five. Our next category is significance of lyrics to the history of the country.
1: And this is another place where I think it's going to do really well. Yeah. Um, they've got great allusions to not only the land of Guyana, but also to the history of Guyana. And mm-hmm. I think that's about as as good as you can hope for here. Um, I don't know if... The lyrics, I don't know. I feel like a perfect ten is something where there's a lot of relevance, but also it's, you know, making a statement, making some sort of poetic thing that, that really jives with me. And I don't know if this is quite that.
0: For me at least it's getting there.
1: But yeah, I'm gonna go with a nine.
0: Okay. That sounds good. I can we do are we doing point fives?
1: We're doing 0.5s. Yep, 0.5s okay. are allowed. I'm going to go 8.5. I did a 2.5 on the one, yeah.
0: Music, you said 2. You can change it to 2.5. I'm pretty sure I said 2.5. Did you? Maybe I misheard. We'll just correct that. All right. And our last category is X Factor.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think X Factor is going to lose some points for me because while I do have a lot of positive things to say about this anthem, I don't know that... Any of those performances stirred me as much as, say, that Samoan rugby game.
0: That's fair. That was a very moving performance.
1: So I'm also going to go with an even five here.
0: Okay. Again, I may be a little biased. I'm giving it seven for X Factor. I think the lyrics are really cool.
1: All right. So let's take a second and tally those up. Okay.
0: So our total comes to 63 out of 100.
1: All right. So that does score it a little bit higher than Samoa so mm-hmm.
0: far. Does We'll have to wait and see how the others add up.
1: And another little uh, thing we wanted to throw in here is we wanted to add in a bit of a sweepstakes to see which countries are doing the most screwing with other countries. So so we're we're going to choose three here and we are going to give them each a tally and see who assembles the most tallies.
0: So the uh, countries that, in my opinion, significantly fucked Guyana. What are they? Holland, France and England.
1: Holland, France and England. Mm -hmm. We uh, we need to make a separate record so we can give them each one tally. We do. And we will start uh, watching England take uh, an astonishing lead.
0: Yes. Yes. I believe by the time we are done this, we are going to have so many Excel spreadsheets on the go. We're not going to know what to do with ourselves. And I mean, who doesn't want
1: that? (laughs) Isn't that the dream?
0: I'm a librarian. So yes, literally, that is the dream. (laughs) 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 Organize it all and put it in a spreadsheet.
1: All right, so let's uh, take a second then and figure out what your next country is going to be. All
0: right, let's do it. I'm excited.
1: All right, and the dice says number 27. What is the country going to be? So
0: my next country is going to be Brunei.
1: Brunei, All is that, right. That's how you
0: pronounce that, right? I believe so. Okay, thank you. That's good.
1: We also, with our anthem listening, sampled a little bit of a Guyanese. What was it? A rice cookup?
0: It was a cookup rice. Cookup. You're rice. almost there. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, it was good. So we we did like some chicken, onions, uh, in with rice and chicken broth and coconut milk, yeah, some and spices,
0: black eyed peas, black eyed peas. Yep. Uh, My understanding from the recipe and from the reading that I've done is this recipe is really, you know, whatever you have around, you chuck it. In a pot with some rice and cook it and eat it. And usually it's some meat and some rice and some beans yeah. of some kind. But really, whatever you have going on, there was cabbage that was optional.
1: But it was I very think. tasty It with was the very milk. tasty.
0: The coconut milk, I'm finding this more and more as I cook things. Coconut milk really adds.
1: Coconut milk is a great, great addition to a lot of things. It
0: is. It makes me sad we don't grow coconuts in Canada.
1: It's true. Yeah. Well, it's not like we don't because we don't want to. No,
0: that's true. We just can't. <laughs> But still, I wish there were just coconuts around.
1: All right. So uh, tune in next week. I'm going to be learning about Slovenia and we can all talk about Slovenia and their anthem. Uh, And after that, Kate will again be teaching us about Brunei. So thank you all for listening.